Thank you. Good morning. That's better, isn't it? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Winchester Vineyard. Here's a little something for you. Do you know, in my head, this was really different. In my head, we had balloons coming from the ceiling. We had cannons of confetti. We're all up and dancing because today is our birthday. Thanks, Pete. Today is Pentecost. We celebrate when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, the people who are gathered together in Jerusalem, a bunch of disciples who were pretty terrified after Jesus had gone back to heaven. And yet the Holy Spirit was poured out and he filled them and released them and changed who they were. And 3,000 people were added to their church family even in that day. Incredible thing. And that's what we celebrate today as part of our church calendar. It's a great day for me today to be talking to you about the church. Um, in fact, guys, would you be kind enough just to hand out some the notes for me, please? Dan and Claire and Sam, that would be lovely. We've been looking at a series, What is the Vineyard? What on earth is a vineyard and what does it mean to be part of it? Pete, could you pop the slides up, please? That would be wonderful. Thank you. And so today, or as we look back, we've been looking at the various kind of distinctives of who we are as a church family. There's a little picture that Nigel showed you a few weeks ago, which we called the vineyard person. Got a little, little picture of him now. And this is just a helpful way for us to see just some of the things that kind of that we focus on or that we think about as vineyards, as Winchester Vineyard Church and as the wider vineyard movement. We've already looked at Jesus being the head of the church. And in fact, you know, this week we had a big event in here on Thursday. There were loads of people here on Thursday doing different things. And I came downstairs, I was working upstairs, I came downstairs at lunchtime to pick something up and a lady came over looking very concerned and she said, excuse me, can I help you? And I just wanted to say, excuse me, this is my church. She was stopping me coming in. And I really felt God speak to me and say, Joe, you've got that wrong. (laughs) This isn't your church. This is my church. And so we remind ourselves that Jesus is the head of the church. The things that we do and we say, we have as a foundation the Bible. And we look through the lens of the kingdom of God. And Nigel spoke about the now and the not yet of the kingdom. Last week he looked at our legs, he looked at the legs of worship and compassion that you can see on the vineyard person here and how it's really important that we have those in balance, that we have intimacy with Jesus, that we connect with him, you know we sing songs of worship just like we have and our love for him compels us to tell other people and to show his love in really practical ways. And so today we're talking about the church, the torso, the body if you like of this vineyard man. We are the church. We were born at Pentecost. Today's our birthday, as I've said. And God, this week I was kind of thinking and praying about this, and I've been reading in the Bible a bit called the Acts of the Apostles, a book that tells us some of what the early church do, or what the early church did. I don't know if you've read that recently, but my goodness, what an adventure. These people, known as unschooled ordinary men initially, were filled with the presence of God and compelled to go out into their communities. They told people the truth about who Jesus was, and they lived that out in action. And as I read this book, it's a real page turner. I read it in pretty much in a sitting. And if you haven't read what's called the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts, then do sit and have a read of that, because the stories are incredible. 
Here are people who listened to what God said and didn't just listen, but they did it. They took risk. You know, John Wimber, who was the kind of founder of our movement, had a little phrase that he used to use. Faith is spelt. Anybody know? R-I-S-K. You were listening when Nigel spoke the other day. That we step out and we take risks. And some of the risks in this book are quite incredible. And you know, as we do that, as we look through what we're talking about today, about the work of the church, we step out and take risks. And sometimes those risks kind of pay off when we see the result of what we long for and hope for. And other times we take risks and we, they don't work out and we kind of go, what on earth was going there? Lord, I thought you said this. I thought you said that. What was happening? But God says, what I want from you is I want obedience. I want you to hear what I'm saying and I want you to put that into action. And that's what the early church did and that's what we try to do too. So the early church were a people of action. They were a spiritual community. They met together, they shared food, they shared stuff with those in need, they leaned into God together, and then they went out on a tremendous adventure. And you may well have seen this phrase before. I saw this phrase this week, which said, we don't go to church, we are the church. So what does it mean to be the church, vineyard style? Nigel's given you a little bit of a potted history of the vineyard movement. He told you about the, the roots and the foundations back in the United States, about some of our history here in the UK. And today I've just got a little video for you, which is some stories and testimonies of people in vineyard churches around the country and around UK and Ireland who have met God in different ways through his church. And so Pete, if you kind of to play that, this just takes about four minutes. I did see the Lord Jesus surrounded by his disciples. And he turned around, I didn't see his face, and I felt it. And he turned around and said, I am only asking you to make me. That's how this began. And what did he tell us to do? Preach the gospel to the poor, recover the sight of the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed, and to have fun doing it. Before I came to Vineyard, I was looking for the answers to the big questions in life. I felt really lost and isolated and quite alone. Never been to church before. I was very broken through abuse. I was in my second year of uni and we just found out that my girlfriend was pregnant. I was struggling with food and drug addiction. I was running from an addiction to drugs. I was practicing pain. I was loved with help, but didn't know I was looking for something. I found it really difficult to find church with real relevance. But I found something that was real and sorting I never realised that refugees could watch the next students, who could watch the next professionals, and people that live off the streets. We felt such support and family here. I had a really powerful experience with the Holy Spirit. I gave my life to Jesus. Over the years of being out, I've developed my own personal relationship with Jesus. It was here I found Jesus and freedom from that addiction. Five boys who really are, and all the people here have been a friend. I was a new Christian, God's really used to share to help me grow and have a little bit Before I came there, I think we played the church, and now we do church. We hold fast that value of equipping the saints to work the ministry. It really is a distinction. Everyone gets to play. We're not waiting around for only man of God to show up. We all can be involved in kingdom ministry now. I love the kingdom theology of the young. I love the idea that it's not just pie in the sky when you die, it's just stay and play what he wants. 
that we expect the Holy Spirit to work here and now. But it's now and not yet. We look forward to heaven and we're trying to bring some heaven on earth right now. I love that in Zuma, that we don't have to sit around for days in committees to talk about this. But if we see something on the street, we need to do things like, okay, let's go and do it. Those when you look at the Bible, Jesus wasn't just a man of words, but he was a man of action as well. There's, there's the wind that we are a people of action. Change is here to stay. And I love the fact that we are constantly adapting the way we do things to fit in with the culture. Uh, there's a tremendous freedom across the media to do church differently. When I first noticed the night, I came along to see authenticity in the worship, the authenticity of the people, and also I've never heard Bible teaching like that as well. It was really relevant for my life directly there and then. The great thing about us being in the vineyard is that we're not boxed, that we're we seem to take in the middle ground, and we welcome and embrace people from every tribe, every denomination, every culture. We say again and again, faith is spelled R-A-S-K. We are modeling the stepping out, the trying to hear from God and having a go. At every meeting, we're expecting that the Holy Spirit will have the freedom to move. Because we have this desire to pursue the Holy Spirit and do that in a naturally supernatural way, I think you talk to people and time and time again you hear a story where they have this experience and this encounter with God um, some, at some point in their life and that has just changed their whole perception of things and really put them on a different path. So it's amazing to be in nice a place People can come and can experience the Holy Spirit in a natural way. It's okay to be yourself. So if you're suffering from a sore throat, it's perfectly okay to go to your GP and at the same time to, to get somebody to pray for you. We see the two as integrated. We see the two as belonging together. And that's very precious. So those folk, many of them talked about what brought them to church. I'd just like you to just kind of turn to the person next to you. Just have a think. Why did you come to be part of the Vineyard Church here? What brought you here today? Whether you're a guest just passing through or someone who's been here for a while. Okay. You'd like to bring your conversations to a close? So if I had to have the time to ask each of you why you came... If I were to have the time to ask each of you why you came, there may well be many reasons. It could be that we're just the closest place for you to come on a Sunday. Or it fits in well, or you like the children's ministry here, or you've heard about something particular going on, or your friends come. Lots of different reasons why people come along to church. And we're going to look today at four different kind of facets of church, facets of church that are important to us. And the first is church as a community, or sometimes it's expressed as a family The Bible tells us that God is our father. It says on your your notes here in 2 Corinthians 6.18, I'll be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. And in other places, it talks about us being brothers and sisters. And in fact, if you look at the next verse down, Paul tells Timothy to, to act as if all the church members were part of a larger family. He says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, Younger women as sisters in all purity. And so God's intention was that we would be community and family. And there are some really great things about being part of a great family, aren't there? 
you know, I love being part of Winchester Vineyard here. I love the expression of church that it is us. I love the way that we can worship as we do. I love that I've got friends who will tell me the truth. I love that I've got people who will come along inside and encourage me when I'm feeling fed up and low. I love the fact that we can give £4,000 to Karis Kids in Uganda. And that means that today, kids there will have an education and will have a meal on the table that they wouldn't have had. I love that we can be part of praying for the stuff in in Ethiopia that Paul was telling us about. So that people are coming to know Jesus for the very first time and having their lives literally changed. I love all of that stuff. Being part of a great family is a wonderful thing. And there are lots of bonuses. You know, one of the things that Billy Graham said is that churchgoers are like coals in a fire. When they cling together, they keep the flame aglow. And when they separate, they die out. And as we come together and we worship, we remember who we are. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm singing these songs of worship, it's kind of like something goes on inside which straightens me up again. Yes, God, I do remember this is what I do believe. This is who you are. So as a result of that, this is who I am. It's not all about me. It's about you. And it's about what you want to do with us and how you want to connect with us. And really appreciate that in a big gathering like this, it can be hard to know the truth of community and family. It's very easy to come on a Sunday if you choose to and say a few hellos and then leave again and not really connect. And so that's why we're often banging on about things like life group. We try termly to have a shared lunch together. We've organised church camp. We try and provide different places and spaces where we can connect together and get to know one another and be real and honest with each other. Do you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday who used to be part of a church family, not this one, a different one. Um, and she said, I, I grew up um, going to church. And when I got married, my husband and I went along to church. And it was a lovely place. I was made to feel really welcome. And we went, and we went week after week. And every week, we were really made to feel welcome. But you know, the phrase she used I found really interesting. She said, I felt like we were welcome strangers. And there wasn't really a way in. And so we stopped going. And I just thought, gosh, isn't that sad that that lady, that family, just didn't feel able to connect with Jesus and other people. And if we're really honest, church, that can be the reality, can't it? Because coming along to church, depending where you're at, what kind of morning you've had, what's going on in your life, it can be, sometimes it's even hard to do this bit, it can be even be hard to say hi to somebody you don't recognise. It feels like a big cost to step out and, well, what if they have been coming for years and I've never said hello and I, I should have done and, you know, it just, it could be awkward. But to be honest, it does work both ways. So if we are church family, I invite you, if you're part of this family, to see yourself as a host. And I ask that when you see people you don't know, please would you just be kind and gracious enough to go and say hello and to go and help them connect in in the way that you have. But also the flip side of that is that if you are currently a guest with us, you're somebody who's kind of on the edges and you're kind of looking in and you're kind of thinking, yeah, I think I want to be part of that, but actually no one's really pulling me in, then you need to show some courage too. You kind of need to get your elbows out and kind of wiggle in. You know, there's that, there's that phrase, isn't there, that if you want a good friend, you need to be a good friend. And as a community, we need to take active steps to connect in relationship. 
And so rather than sitting and waiting for someone to invite you out for coffee or invite you around for a meal or to come and talk to you, if you feel you're on the edge and you're looking in, then please do take courage and say, who could I invite around for Sunday lunch or at church camp? Who could I just choose to, to sit with and ask them just a little bit about themselves? We can't all be best friends with each other. There's just not time and capacity for that. But we can look and say, God, who are you drawing me to now? Because these relationships are really worth it. Having people around you who know you and who love you and are rooting for you is really worth it. And it helps through the challenging times and the difficult and painful times. And it's amazing for the wonderful times when we can celebrate together. So kind of that's the bonus of being family together. And a real encouragement that if you haven't yet, do push in, take courage and step into that. And then, of course, there's the challenge of family. Because unless you're part of a family who just don't talk to each other and it's all fine because we don't talk about it, we're all real people, aren't we? And we think differently and we do things differently. Again, if we were just to sit and ask everybody about their theological thoughts on baptism and dedication, for one, or on this, that, or the other, many of us would come up with quite different things. But we come together as church family because of the things that unite us, the truths that are really important about who God is and who Jesus is and the wonderful work of this precious spirit. And so the question then is, so what do we do when we have disagreements? There's no point in pretending that we're not going to. I was reading in John this week, and it's here on the sheet down the bottom of the first page. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. Now I've heard that before. You may well have heard it before. But what I noticed, really for the first time, and a stark jumped out at me this week, was that Jesus said that just over the page for when Judas betrayed him. Jesus spoke that. He gave us that instruction in a very clear way, when he knew the truth of hurt and conflict and betrayal. So this isn't just a glossy, oh, love one another, it'll make it all right. This is a, when you're really in the thick of things, my expectation is still that we will love one another. So what can we really practically do when conflict comes up, when we have disagreements? Because we will. There are various things we can do. The bottom of the first page of your notes, it says, be self-aware and take the initiative. You know, Jesus basically says in this passage, if you're in the middle of worship, you're having an amazing time worshipping me, and you remember that your brother's got something against you. That means if you remember that your brother thinks you've done something wrong, not that they have, but that you have, then leave your gift at the altar, stop worshipping, and go and sort it out. I don't know about you, but in the middle of worship here, that could look a bit embarrassing. Here I am, lost in wonder, love and praise. Oh my goodness, what did I say to Becca this morning? I've got to go across the aisle and apologise. And if that's what you feel like God says to do, then I really encourage you, do it. But what this passage is saying, we've got to deal with our stuff. We can't just carry on pretending that it's not there. Because it really is. And so please, if that's what you feel like you should do, don't fit in the middle of my talk. If you remember something, you've got permission to go and sort it out. Because that's what God wants us to do. The second thing that we're really encouraged to do is measure ourselves against love. And this is the the top of the second page. 
Again, a familiar passage if you've ever been to a wedding or maybe got married. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. And as I was reading something this week, um, they said, why do you think Paul wrote this? Paul wrote this probably because the Corinthian church he was writing to were being envious. They were boasting, they were being proud. That's why, why Paul was showing this contrast to them. And he was saying, this is what you should be like. And so if someone's done something that really winds you up in church, first of all, just go and read these passages and say to God, God, is this them or is it actually me? The fact that they're really winding me up in this area, or when they say that, it makes me go, eh. Is that, is that just me? That's oh, just me, sorry. <laughs> when, when people say annoying things, it makes me go, eh, inside. If that's you, then we have an opportunity to read this and say, Lord, is this something about me? You know, I had this this week. We had a, um, a team meeting and I woke up in the morning and I was feeling really defensive about something. And I had to go into the team meeting and um, I knew that there was going to be um, something, a conversation within that meeting that I was feeling really defensive about. And I nipped the loo and I just went, God, what is going on? And he just said, look, this is your insecurity this is where the problem is today. It's not because what they're saying you disagree with. I mean, you might not agree with them. But the issue, Joe, is you because you don't know and understand who you are. And so there in the ladies, I took a moment and went, okay, God, I'm sorry, help me. And graciously he did. And we had our conversation and we came to a really good place of, of working out what we needed to work out. The next principle is talk to me and not about me. If we have disagreements one with another, if there are conflicts, then it's really easy to go and talk to somebody else. Do you know what they said to me? Or even, this is the Christian way, isn't it? Please, could you pray for me? I feel quite hurt because um, this is happening and I feel really concerned about it because I feel like the Lord would have me say something and I don't know what to do. And if we're not careful, we put it into gossip. It's gossip, but in a Christian little covering, isn't it? You know, we kind of share stuff that we shouldn't. And actually... What we need to do, if we've got a problem with someone, we need to talk to Jesus and we need to talk to them. The Bible's very clear about that. And so pray and say, God, do you want me to deal with this? If it needs dealing with, okay, let's do it. And if not, I'm afraid you just have to shut up. Sometimes people do and say stuff that hurt and offends us and we just have to deal with it and suck it up because that's the right thing to do. Deal with it in front of God, but we don't need to tell anybody else. But if God says, yeah, this is one to deal with, then we need to take courage and do that lovingly and at a good time. You know, we went through a season in our previous church where um, there were some conflicts and disagreements. And my pastor, Andrew, would relatively often have people come on a Sunday morning cross about stuff. Do you know about this? Why did you say this? You did that. And he was so good at this because he would just say, this is obviously really pressing a button for you. This is something you feel really passionate about. But now isn't the time to deal with it. We've only got a few minutes before, you know, we're leaving the building or, you know, you've, you've got to get off for your lunch. We're not going to be able to address this well at this time. So I would love to talk with you about it, but let's put some time in. Let's get a coffee in the week. Let me know when's good for you. And if somebody has something they want to deal with with us, or if I want to come and talk to you, the honouring thing to do is to find a good time and space, isn't it? To find a time where you can both be calm and settled and take some of the heat out of it. And deal with it well. And then finally, 
if the, the Bible says in Matthew 18 that if there's sin involved, then we need to go and talk to the person. And if they won't listen to you, they won't take it on board, then you need to go with somebody else and deal with that too. And do you know what I love about the Bible? Is it's full of practical help and advice. You know, the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out on us on Pentecost and he went, there you go, fill up, off you go, now I'm leaving you. But the truth of, of how to live and what we need to do, there's loads of it in here. And if you're stuck and you don't know what to do, you can find truth here. And, you know, if you've come today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're just looking, I hope that you'll see that, see that as we talk and as you choose to read the Bible, there is truth and help for you here. It's a really practical book. So that's us in relationship. Hopefully a lot of times as community and family, we get on really well. But sometimes there are tricky things and we can just deal with that in a biblical way. If you've come today looking for the perfect church, then God bless you. And I do hope you find it sometime. But we're not it. We're just ordinary, normal people. And we do mess up. And in front of Jesus, we try and sort that out. And we want to walk together with him. And so if you want to be part of that, I just really invite you and welcome you to come and be part of those real and sometimes messy relationships. So we've looked at church as community. We're next going to look at church as a hospital. Now this isn't a kind of metaphor from the Bible, but it's just a really helpful way to look at church sometimes because it's a reality. Many of us come to Jesus and we need fixing. We come to Jesus in a mess. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I've come to call not righteous, but sinners. And the wonderful thing is that when we come to know Jesus, that incredible exchange happens, doesn't it? That we come to him with our sin and our stuff and our, our past. And because of what he did on the cross, there's an incredible exchange and we receive new life. We get the chance to start again. But also the reality and the truth in there is that there are often consequences of what's happened before. And maybe you came to Jesus in pain from a broken relationship. Or maybe you came to Jesus with a background of abuse. Or maybe you're doubting yourself because of a, as a result of unemployment. Or you might have come to Jesus trapped in addiction to pornography or alcohol or something else. You may have come in a mess because of your finances. There are obvious consequences that result from the different things that we choose to do and the things that other people have done to us. But the wonderful thing is that the church can be a place of help and healing for that. And sometimes it happens really quickly and sometimes it's a process. I like this slide here. The church is not a museum for good people, but it's a hospital for the broken. And here we have a number of different things. We run a Freedom in Christ course, which is biblical teaching to help us understand who we are and who we are in God and how to live that out. We have the Streams of Hope ministry with sozos and, um, excuse me, practical um, ministry opportunities where people will pray and God can come and touch and heal. But I have a real encouragement to you that if you come and you're feeling broken and battered, then you are really welcome here. If you feel like you're the walking wounded, then this is a good place to be. But my encouragement is that as you come, you really make sure that you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. It's very easy when we feel hurt and we feel bruised to look down and look at what needs fixing and sorting out. And if we look at the early church, whatever they went through, through the persecution and the difficult times, 
we don't see them kind of hiding in a corner. We see them continuing to try and keep their eyes fixed on Jesus and continuing to cry and extend a hand to others. And I spoke to somebody who was here about three weeks ago, actually, who's come to this church in an incredible crisis. They've got an amazing amount of stuff going on in their life. And they're trying to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus and take good advice and get that sorted out. But what really struck me about this person is that they've chosen to join one of the serving teams. Now, I I realize this, this might cause a bit of tension for some folk, because I know that often we would just love to come and be in God's presence, and that's really important. And I do bang on about joining rotors and serving and getting stuck in. But the reason I do that is not because we have a whole load of jobs that need to be done. Yeah, sure we do, but they'll get done one way or another. But it's because practically, as we serve others, as we look out beyond ourselves, often that's that's where some of our healing comes. As we stop focusing on ourselves, but we just look out even in really simple ways, that's how we connect with Jesus, because he's the serving king. Everything he did was about loving and serving and being beyond himself. And so we're just trying to follow his example. So I really realise that when I come to you with a piece of paper and a list of names to fill in to join a slot or whatever, I'm sorry if it looks a bit mechanical. And sometimes it is mechanical. We have people serving coffee and looking after the kids and stuff. It needs to be done. But actually there's a practical thing that goes on that's deeper than that. That as we serve one another, then we grow and we're healed. So the church is a hospital. But we need to make sure that we keep the balance right and we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And in fact, you know, the hospital is the old phrase that we always used to use. And I said to Nigel this morning, I think it's a bit more like care in the community. You know, we should be kind of still reaching out, but being looked after too. So as a church, we are community, we're a hospital, we're a school, we're a place where we can learn and try things out. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And as Eleanor Mumford said on the DVD, Jesus just says, all I'm asking you to do is mimic me. What did he do in here? Whatever he did, we just need to try and go and do it. But we need to learn how to do that often, don't we? As a believer, I, you, have signed up for a whole life apprenticeship with Jesus. What areas of our life wouldn't do better with more of Jesus in? All of my life would. My relationships, my work, my, the way I parent my kids, my finances, my health. Following what he says is the best way to be. And so ch- church is a place where we can learn to do that. And so out at the vineyard, we try and equip people for life. We look at what the Bible says. We say, how do we apply apply that in our culture? We try and make it practical. What difference is this going to make for me today or at nine o'clock tomorrow morning? You know, we've just run a couple of different courses. One, the CAP money course, looking at finances and how to get those um, more better organized so that we can live well. We've also had a parenting teenagers course. What skills can we use? How can we look after and love and develop our teenagers in a, a better way? And we also look at how to study the Bible, how to pray for the sick. Really practical things. You know, in the early days of the Vineyard Movement, we used to have conferences called Equipping the Saints. There was even a magazine called Equipping the Saints. That's from Ephesians 4, where Jesus gives the church people who are good at being pastors or teachers or apostles or evangelists. And there's another one, I can't remember what the other one is. 
No, that's it. Great. So that we may be built up for works of service. We're supposed to be equipped so that we can go out and do and be the church. And here, we're all the ministers. Everybody gets to play. That's what I love about our movement. It's not just about Nigel and I being here doing this. Before we were here doing this, we were part of a church family in the same way that you are, and yet we got to have a go, and that's what I love. And so at the end of services, that's why we say, if you've been taught how to pray, if you're part of a group here, come and pray. We don't have all the answers. We don't have all of God, not by any stretch of the imagination. As we're church family together, we share the life and the love of God one with another. And so this is a place you can learn and grow, and it's a safe place to make mistakes. You know, the thing about Sundays and coming to pray, I know sometimes it feels quite big and it feels quite difficult, but actually this is the training ground, because what we should be doing is this out there. This is where we practice listening to God, praying for the sick, seeing people healed, Because really, it's not for us, is it? It's for other people to encounter and know Jesus. And, yeah, now we'll move on. The last facet we're going to look at after church as a community, as a hospital, as a school, is the church as an army. And, you know, we are all, if we choose to follow Jesus, we're all enlisted in God's big adventure. There's a passage here from Luke chapter 4. And actually, it's Jesus speaking from Isaiah 61. And if you've been around the vineyard any time, this will be really familiar with you, because this is one of our kind of little core verses. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And the other images, community, hospital, school, could look very much like we just stay here in our seats and we just kind of enjoy learning and doing what we do together. But this picture reminds us that we're supposed to be out on the front line. If we don't show the words and works of Jesus to our friends and our neighbours and our family, then who's good? There isn't anybody else. We're the ones that he's chosen to invest his life and his power in. The thing about being an army is that Action is required. And today, brings us back to the beginning really, Pentecost reminds us that the Holy Spirit is poured out to equip us to go and do this stuff. And the thing about being an army is just with a natural army that there are, um, there is trouble, we're in a battle. This is a spiritual battle, the Bible reminds us. And sometimes there are casualties and things happen that feel like they take us out and take us out of action. And that's where it's important, again, that we come back to be part of community together, to be loved and encouraged and strengthened, to be on the front line again. I found another little um, clip online that I thought kind of summed this up really well. And I wonder if we just play this now for a couple of minutes as a way to sum up what we've been looking at. big question for us today is what is the church and what is the church supposed to do? Well, throughout the ages we've had different ideas about this. Uh, some people think that the church is like this a building, an institution where God is way up above us and you have to go through the church to get up to God. So we try to bring people into this institution, out of the darkness and into God. Other people realize that the church is actually people. 
But we still have this idea that God is up there and that people gather inside of this building called the church in order to praise and worship God so that we can look up to God. And we realize that there's other people in the world. And so our idea of the church is that these people that are in darkness need to come into the church. So we come up with all kinds of ways to try to attract people to come into the church so that they can somehow reach up to God. But what if we thought about it like this? God sent Jesus to be human, to live among a particular group of people called the church, to reveal who God is among the people. But the Spirit of God is everywhere at work in the world, in all people, all across the world. God is working with them and drawing them in order so that they can know Jesus. And so the church, in the power of the Holy Spirit, is called to go into the world, to interact with our neighbors and our friends, so that we can all learn from Jesus. Now, of course, this group of people called the church, they need a place to meet, they need a place to gather, and so buildings and things like that are important and part of the process. But we need to remember that the church is a group that is gathered around the body of Jesus and then sent to love the neighbor, to be the hands and feet of the neighbor. Like Jesus told us, as you are going, make disciples of all people. We are the gathered and sent body of Christ to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. I realize that I've talked a lot this morning, and yet we still have time to see what God wants to do with us. And it might be that as you've listened, you've been struck about one of these particular aspects or facets of church, church as community, church as hospital, church as school, or church as army. As I was kind of thinking in the week, I did wonder whether God would want to just come and touch some folk who feel hurt and disappointed as a result of church experiences either elsewhere or here. But what I would like us to do just now is I wonder if we might stand together and I'm going to invite the band to come back. We're just going to have a little bit of time and space for each of us to ask God what it is that he wants to do with us today. What is it specifically that he wants to encourage us with or challenge us about? Mm. So, Father God, we thank you for your presence. Once again, we remember, Lord Jesus, you are head of your church here. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come and touch and fill us afresh. and do what you want to do with us. Amen.